0: We're going to look at chapter 2 of Philippians today. And again, Paul is writing this letter from prison. This is significant because one of the overarching themes throughout this letter is this idea of joy. Time and time again, Paul talks about joy and rejoicing. And it's, it's one thing to talk about joy when everything is going the way you wanted it to go. It's another thing to talk about joy when you're in one of those places or times in life where it seems like joy is hard to find. Paul is writing to this church that he started on his second missionary journey. It's a collection, uh, it's a Roman colony in the midst of a Greek culture. And Paul is reminding these believers to keep their eyes fixed on Jesus. Why? Because there was persecution coming in from the outside, but also, as we're about to discover today, there were some challenges on the inside. Can you imagine challenges showing up in the midst of a church? And Paul is addressing these believers and reminding them, no, 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 you need to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and you need to be aware of the difference that community makes. Today I want to start by looking at verse 4 of chapter 2. Paul says this, he says, don't look out only for your own interests. Can you say your own interests? Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. In other words, don't, don't just be self-consumed or self-absorbed. How many you know this is a disconnect in our culture? Because we live in a world, we live in a place where it's easy to just focus on us, on me. In fact, if it, if it doesn't touch anything within three feet of me, I don't really worry about it. But Paul is saying, no, if you're gonna be a follower of Jesus, don't just be consumed with what you're journeying through. Make sure you take into account what others are facing as well. Shortly after college, I joined my first gym. And I joined that gym because I had recently gotten engaged. Amber and I were gonna celebrate 16 years of marriage in April. And I had uh, just, thank you, yes, I had just gotten engaged and I I said to myself, I better look good for this wedding day. And so I joined a gym and I remember showing up early one morning and uh, I found myself in a place in the gym that I really hadn't visited that frequently. It was the free weight section. All the free weights, all the dumbbells, all the bench presses, all of that. And I'm kind of looking around, trying to act like I know what I'm doing. You ever seen somebody at the gym like this? <laughs> looking around going, oh, yeah, that's, uh, that works the uh, tri-flex thing. Yeah, I got, got that figured out. So I walk over to this wall of dumbbells, and it's just a huge mirror in front of me. And I look for a weight that, that looks right for me. So I, I grab these dumbbells, and I just start going after it. Just one, two, three. Just, you know, I'm sweating, I'm starting to breathe heavy, and all of a sudden, one of those guys shows up. You know what I'm talking about, right? And I'm just here just going for it with with just all the glory that I have, just boom, boom, (laughs) boom. And, you know, Brutus shows up. He's like, uh, "Excuse me, I, I need to grab some weights." Oh, sorry, sorry. And he just kind of looks at me, and then he looks at how heavy the weights are. And he kind of grins, and he reaches down to the bottom rack. The bottom rack, by the way, is where the big boy weights are. And he grabs them, and I watch Brutus take a couple steps down, and he just starts going, whoo, 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 whoo. and I'm over here, and I'm like. Eh-heh. You know, just just trying to keep the weight going. And he kind of looks over at me, and I'm like, cool down. You know, I've been cooling down now. I've been, been here for hours. Been doing this for hours, kind of, you know, wearing them out, you know. And so I get down, and I put the weights back, and I look around. I'm trying to figure out what I should do next. And I look over, and I see a bench press. And I'm like, yeah, that strong guys do that. Yeah, I'll do that. Because as you can tell, I don't spend a ton of time in the weight section, okay? And so I I go over to the bench and I lift up the bar and I just start pressing the bar with all the might in my body. I'm like, yeah. And I look over at Brutus and Brutus has like 18 plates on each side of his bar. And I realize I I need to uh, add some weight here. This doesn't look good. So I grab some plates that look about the right weight for me. And Brutus looks over at me and he's like, hey, do you need a spotter? So I sit up, like, Pff, no. <laughs> and then I lay back down and grab the bar. And I push the bar up. And as I push up, that bar instantly comes down to my chest. And I am realizing, Jesus, I'm about to meet you face to face right now and i'm i'm just striving and struggling and brutus walks over and he's like you need a spotter and listen in that moment i was so thankful that brutus was looking beyond just his own boundaries I don't know about you, how many times have you found yourself in a place or space in life where you needed somebody to see not just themselves, but you're glad that they saw you? And that's the point that Paul is going to drive home here with these Philippian believers. And he's not just gonna call them to pay attention to others because it's the good moral thing to do. He's not asking them just to try to take these steps with some scope of self-improvement. No, he's going to lay out this focus about who Jesus is and what Jesus has accomplished for you and I. And in light of that, this is how we ought to live our lives. And Paul is going to use this message to help drive home the fact that this is where joy actually gets lived out in our lives. This is where joy shows up. I want us to look together to verse 5 of Philippians chapter 2. Verse 5 says this, You must have, can you say must? must. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. How I many you know that's a tough verse right there? It would be a whole lot more comfortable for me to read that verse if it said, if it's convenient for you on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, try to have an attitude a little bit like Jesus. That would be a whole lot more comfortable. But Paul is reminding these followers of Jesus, no, you must have the attitude that was in Christ Jesus also to be within you. Now, if he would have just stopped there and then continued on with a different thought, we could just kind of fill in the blank, couldn't we? We kind of say, well, I think, I think Jesus had this type of attitude. I think Jesus operated a little bit like this. But Paul is about to get really specific about what this attitude looks like. In fact, Paul is about to write this poem or a, a, a hymn that the early church would sing. And Paul begins to recite this, and it has powerful implications about who Jesus is and what he came to do. The first part of this hymn that he recites is all about Jesus being willing to humble himself. Can you say humble? Humble. He humbles himself. In other words, he goes through this process of humility, humiliation. But where that leads in the second part of the hymn is we're not just going to see humiliation, but then God brings exaltation. That's how this poem works together. So Paul says in verse five, you must have the same attitude that is in Christ Jesus. And here's what that attitude looks like. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Now let me pause just for a moment. This verse is so significant for us to have a proper perspective of who Jesus actually is. This verse Removes the idea that Jesus was just a good moral teacher. This verse removes the thought that Jesus is just some type of thought leader or some self-improvement, self-help guru. No, Jesus himself is God. And though he is God... He didn't cling to those divine privileges. But what does he do? Well, Paul talks about it. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Now, we've got to be careful not to read that too fast because Jesus is eternally God. And he left the riches of heaven, left the throne so that he could be born as a human into humanity for what purpose? To rescue humanity. He gave that up. Now, for, if you're anything like me, there's times that I just, I don't want to give things up. Why? Because it's my right not to give them up. It's my privilege to not give that up. And yet, we see something different in Jesus, don't we? Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. And it says this, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Humility, but now Exaltation, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. Can I tell you why we lift up the name of Jesus here at Life Center? It's because we know that there is no other name under heaven by which we are saved says that God, he elevated, he lifted him up, that name that's above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's what that section of scripture teaches us. You will declare one way or another. You will declare that he is Lord, but at the end of the day, when we begin to look at what Paul is trying to help these Philippian believers understand is that the very attitude that was in Jesus ought to be in us if we're followers of Jesus. And here's where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. If you notice the direction that Jesus is moving, so often in our culture, in our world, it's all about getting to the next rung on the ladder, isn't it? If I can just get that next place of position, if I could just get that next place of notoriety, if I could just be a little bit more insta-famous, come on now, then maybe, just maybe, I, I can do something significant, I can be somebody significant. But think about Jesus. Jesus was not busy trying to climb up the ladder. Scripture says that he was willing to climb down the ladder. Why? So that he could become a servant. He humbled himself to become a servant. A servant to who? A servant to you and I. Don't ever question whether or not God loves you. God loves you enough that he was willing to leave the riches of heaven to come and to serve you. Before you ever took a step in his direction. And Paul says, with that in mind, let that same attitude be your attitude. In other words, it's not just about serving myself. No, I'm going to serve others. See, this is part of the key of understanding and embracing uncommon joy. Uncommon joy looks beyond itself. Uncommon joy, it looks beyond itself. I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't just act like he was a servant. Can you imagine the tragedy of that? He didn't just kind of play the role of a servant. No, he became a servant. Have you ever been working with some friends, maybe at a work or on an assignment, and it seems like one of those people who's supposed to be helping, they think their assignment is to just drink coffee? But then all of a sudden the boss walks by, and what do they do? They have perfect timing, and they jump in, and the boss commends them? What are they doing? They're they're acting like they're there working, but they're not really working, are they? Jesus did not play the role of a servant. He actually became a servant for you and I. That as he finished that work, friends, he was elevated, he's exalted. His name is above all other names. Uncommon joy learns to look beyond itself. The other day on some of my social media platforms, I asked This question, can selfishness and joy coexist? Can selfishness and joy coexist at the same time? Really quick, let me just get a a read on the room. I've been doing this every service. How many say they can coexist? Selfishness and joy can coexist? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. How many say it cannot, they can't coexist? Okay, how many of you did not hear the question because clearly you just did not raise your hand? Okay. Okay. Here was some of my responses. Somebody on Instagram replied to me and they say, you, you can or they can coexist, but only for a brief moment. Interesting. I like this next thought. Joy is content in all things. If you need to be selfish, you can't be content. Interesting. I like this thought. Somebody replied to me on Twitter. They said, no, because joy is to be shared. You couldn't keep it to yourself even if you tried. Isn't that the truth? When you actually experience joy, very few of us go, I need to keep this to myself. (laughs) Most of us, when we experience joy, we're looking for a phone, we're looking for a piece of paper. If we don't have either of those, we're looking for a way to send a smoke signal just to communicate that, hey, something good has happened. Joy is designed to be shared. Another person said, I think selfishness pursues situational happiness, and yet joy is predicated on something that remains no matter what the season is. Somebody said happiness and selfishness can coexist because happiness is a temporary emotion that's based on what happens, for example, circumstances, but true joy comes from a deep fulfillment that can only be found in Christ, which is not dependent upon what happens. I like this last thought. Again, the person was answering this question, can selfishness and joy coexist? This person replied, absolutely, exclamation point. When I leave my boys with a babysitter and get to shop on my own, lots of joy happening and a little selfishness too. Come on. Yeah. And all the parents said, amen, right? (laughs) But then they continued on, but it saves my sanity. It saves my sanity. Obviously, we know that selfishness and joy, it's it's hard for them to actually coexist. And, And here's why. Selflessness leads us to a place of joy that selfishness can never experience. When we actually come to this place of embracing what Paul is asking us as followers of Jesus to do, we begin to realize that selflessness, in other words, that idea of emptying ourselves like Jesus did. He gave up his divine privilege. He, He took on the form of a servant. When we do that, it actually begins to pave the way to experience a joy that we cannot experience when we just live consumed with ourselves. If you've ever tried to live the self-consumed life, it gets burdensome after a while. And I think it's because it's, it's the reality that we are not designed to live like that. Today, I brought some visuals to help us. They're the actual weights that I used in the gym that day. Yeah, there you go. Hey, they're heavier than they look. See, here's, here's the reality with these weights, friends is that even though right now they they don't feel that heavy, after a few hours, they're going to feel really heavy. And why is that? Because by design, my body is not meant to hold these weights 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And yet some of us, we walk through life, we wonder why joy never lasts, and it's because we're holding on to some burdens that we're not designed to carry. Weights are for a moment. Why? So that through the stress of the weight, we grow bigger. But the longer you hang on to it, your body can never recover. And it becomes a system and a cycle for some of us why we don't experience joy. So today, I want to talk about three burdens that it's time for us to drop. And I believe that Jesus is going to give us a grace to drop some of these burdens. The first burden is this the burden of impressing others. The burden of impressing others. Man, this this will rob your joy when you live a life trying to just please somebody else, trying to impress somebody else. Have you ever noticed the ridiculous things we do? We purchase things to try to impress people that we don't even know. It's a burden. It's a burden. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. He writes this, he says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Those four questions he's expecting a yes answer to from these Jesus followers. He says, if that's true, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind, and purpose. Look at verse 3. Don't be selfish. How many know that could be a whole message, those three words? Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Can I tell you how much energy is wasted by trying to impress other people? Especially, listen, I, I love social media. I love the fact that I stay connected with friends and family across the nation and around the world. But the, the tendency, the condition that so many of us we're, we're trying to impress people that we don't even know. We got to get the right, the, the right filter, the right light, the right smile, just in hopes that we get a few more likes and The problem is the more that I try to impress others, it's living with a weight that's unsustainable and it's robbing your joy. Don't try to impress others. Don't live for somebody else's applause. It goes on. It says, be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Can I tell you the burden of impressing others will continue to drain you will continue to weigh you down. Imagine what could happen if instead of trying to make it our goal to impress others and caring about that, what would happen if we just cared for people? Instead of caring what they think about us, what would happen if we just cared for them? What would our city look like? What would your middle school campus look like? What would your family look like? And today I want to invite us to, to drop that weight. See, it's heavier than it looked a few of you just wake up welcome back welcome back <laughs> here's the second burden that I want to encourage us to drop the second burden is this the burden of self-elevation elevating ourselves again this is kind of the way our culture so often works is we try to climb the ladder we try to prop ourselves up and yet the danger is when we do that at the expense of other people we're missing the very attitude and nature of who Jesus is and what he came to do For some of us, we're we're so concerned and consumed with just getting to that next place of notoriety, getting to that next place of advancement that we miss the opportunity to simply be present and serve those who are right here with us. See, Paul talks about this attitude that's in Jesus. It should be in us. It was not about self-elevation. It was actually about serving others, serving others. Warren Wiersbe says this, there can be no joy in the life of the Christian who puts himself above others. Isn't that the truth? If you're a follower of Jesus and you try to climb over people just to elevate yourself, listen, there's not gonna be joy in your life. What is that? That's That's a burden that we need to drop today. Here's the third burden that I wanna encourage us to drop. We see it in Philippians chapter two, verses 14 and following but here's the third burden the burden of complaining and arguing the burden of complaining and arguing these burdens go hand in hand by the way these burdens get heavy over you ever met somebody you're convinced that they have a master's level degree in complaining and arguing man isn't it a beautiful day well it could be a little bit warmer Man, this food is amazing. Yeah, but the service could have been faster. I mean, no matter what you bring up, there's always something negative. It's like there's spiritual gift to complain. And yes, scripture, it says this in, in verse 14. Look, listen to what it says. It says, do everything. Can you say everything? everything. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Wow. Listen, if if some of us, we would believe those words and embrace those words, our marriages would be transformed. Some of us, we would actually receive the promotion we're looking for at work. Why? Because instead of carrying around this wrong spirit or this wrong attitude or about what we can get, no, instead dropping that complaining or that argumentative burden, letting it go and simply existing to serve, to love. See, it's a burden. Why, why is it that we complain? Why is it that we complain? I think it's because so often our expectations haven't been met. And yet when we get our, our eyes off of ourselves, it's amazing what happens when we begin to see others. We start, stop worrying about what we need. We're freed up to focus on others. Some of the best marriage advice that I ever got An individual told me when we were engaged, he said, Tyler, listen, you can win every argument and you will still lose. Isn't that the truth? Because when we focus on arguing, why do we argue? Because we are more concerned with winning than we are with unity. Some of us, we're always arguing with people, We're always because it's like a battle we have to win. But what if we drop that burden of trying to win, and we simply said, no, I'm going to fight for unity, and I'm going to do it by serving you. What motivates us to do that? It's we look to Jesus, and we see that's what he's done for us. Uncommon joy, it looks beyond itself again, our motivation for this is not just to try to earn something from God. Our motivation is Jesus has already done this for us. We live in response to that reality. Today, can I invite you to bow your heads with me? I want to pray for those of us who maybe we realize today that we've been trying to work our way to God. Maybe we've been trying to climb the ladder, try to show God how much we deserve his love, how much we deserve his affirmation of us. Can I remind you today that the gospel, the good news about who Jesus is and what he's done says something radically different. You don't have to try to earn your way to God. Jesus became a servant for you and I. He humbled himself. He took that place of serving us on the cross. He allowed himself to be sacrificed. Why? That we could experience new life, freedom, hope, forgiveness. Today across this room or maybe you're watching online, if you need that type of freedom, you need that type of hope, you need that type of forgiveness in your life today, if that's you, it's available. Would you just simply raise a hand and say, yeah, that's me. I want that today. I want that freedom. I want that hope. I want that forgiveness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can we pray this prayer out loud together? Would you repeat after me? Say, Jesus, I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my sin. Give me a fresh start. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In your name I pray, amen, amen. Come on, can we celebrate all those who made that decision today?